Hi, my name is Dr. Joe Braid and I am the Burnout Recovery Doctor. I help healthcare professionals overcome burnout and get their energy back. So whether you're a med student, allied health professional, or a doctor who is suffering from feeling overwhelmed and exhausted, you're in the right place. In this podcast, you will get your energy back through strategies for burnout recovery. This show will give you the practical tips and mindset strategies to help you recover from burnout in healthcare. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome to the Burnout Recovery Podcast. Today, I am delighted to bring onto the show Dex Randall, Burnout Coach. Dex actually coached me in the Advanced Burnout Coach Certification, and it's um, an honor to invite Dex into the podcast today. So Dex coaches professionals from burnout to heart-centered leadership. So good to have you here today, Dex. Thank you so much for the welcome. I'm really delighted to be here, actually. Thank you, Dex. So let's open the floor. Tell my listeners, please, a little bit about yourself and what do you do? Well, I am a burnout coach and um, I guess I'm a burnout coach because I went into my own burnout. I was um, working as a, an IT professional, I was a software developer and a team leader and whatnot, and I got into my own burnout. And um, when I got into my own burnout, I couldn't find out how to get out. I couldn't find out who could help me. I knew a lot of people, but I couldn't really identify anybody who had a solution to burnout. And Basically, I learned, I taught myself how to fix it for myself because I was working in energy healing at that time. So I was doing a bunch of, as a sideline to my IT, I was doing uh, Reiki and NLP and kinesiology and that sort of thing, EFT. So I, I taught myself how to recover from burnout. And I decided that if I couldn't find a solution, then it might be an idea to bring it to other people. There's a lot of people suffering by that time. And do you want to share some of the, the, answers you looked for or um, avenues you looked for for support to get out of burnout? Did you find anything at that time? Well, I knew a lot of people in the healing area. I mean, right from psychiatry and psychotherapy through all of the other alternative therapies and energy therapies, body therapies. And I also looked corporate, so I Googled it. And I looked, what, what are other people doing to get out of burnout? And I found a lot of people talking about the solution to burnout, but a lot of them were just talking about well-being type initiatives, taking time off work, uh, meditating, getting more exercise, eating properly, sleeping. And I, that, that was never going to cut it for me. Yeah. I just couldn't identify anything I needed in there. Mm. And mm. nobody that I'd ever worked with previously had kind of given me a lot of hope there either. Can you share with the listeners what your kind of time frame was that you might have been aware that you were getting into burnout? And how long you might have been in there before you looked for some avenues out and how long it took to get out? Mm, good question. I think I really knew I was in burnout about five years before the big crash. Right. But I don't think it came as any surprise. I think I knew I'd been pretty stressed out and anxious for a long time and that I was the kind of person who would continue to be that way regardless of my job. So I started job hopping uh-huh. because I was not happy where I was and I thought I would just change my job and then I wasn't happy again. I changed my job again and I got into a bunch of entrepreneurial jobs from, I, I used to work in big corporations and stuff and I was very much a team builder in the, in the techie space and, and that was good for me and I was, 
I loved my career so much. For, for a long, long time, I loved it. I loved the technical side, the leadership side, the client side. I loved all of it, all the problem solving and the, the creativity and all of that. But the last three jobs in my last five years were more entrepreneurial. And although I did good work there, I wasn't getting traction. And I, I never felt I was delivering in the same way that I used to deliver. Mm. And I wasn't enjoying it the way I used to enjoy it. And I was feeling the pressure more. I worked mm. in a couple of startups. And if you want to go for a high-pressure job, do that. Yeah. And I guess I really knew I was crashing. And then finally, my last job, I worked in a, a startup. <coughs> I, was, I was the person in charge of delivering product. Mm -hmm. And the founder was the person in charge of not letting me. Mm-hmm. And the clash of that was too much for me. It did my head in. I'd never, <laughs> I'd never experienced an inability to do my job and deliver on my job before. And it was so painful. I just, I didn't really handle it. And I got mm. very, very, very stressed. And then in that job, one day I turned up to a meeting and with the boss and he said, Oh, I know. Why don't we go and meet these people and do this, spend some money on a report over here? And I was like, No, why don't we launch a product? And he said, No, no. No, come to the meeting with me. Let's go and get this report made up. And I was like, this thought flashed, flickered through my head that if I didn't do something, the stress was going to physically kill me. Mm. And I'd never yeah. had that thought before. I just said, I'm sorry, I'm done. Bye. <laughs> I left. And then yeah. three weeks later is when I had the heart attack. It nearly yeah. did kill me. So I was right. Yeah. But having said all that, so the crash was quite slow. Many of my clients too, they're, they will finally realize when I talk about burnout with them, they will self-identify in there the symptoms of burnout and say, mm. wow, that's my whole career right there. Yeah, yeah. But I, I will say the recovery was fairly quick. Okay. Mm -hmm. I started, well, after I had my heart attack, I had to lie on the sofa for three months. They told me sure. not to move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they said, don't move off the sofa. So I spent three months there. So I did some Googling on burnout and mm. I found the life coach school and I started receiving coaching. Yes. Uh -huh. And that turnaround with that coaching was so quick for me. Mm. I started to feel better in a couple of months. Wow. And that's when I just, okay, I can teach myself this stuff and help other people. Yeah. Fantastic. Do you know what the thing was that really attracted my attention is they said that life was 50-50, good and bad emotions, and that mm -hmm. that was the natural way of things, and you couldn't just have the good ones without the bad ones. Right. Um, but everybody was kind of kind of, going to balance out of 50-50. You can't eliminate an emotion. You're going to keep feeling all of them, so it will balance out of 50-50. But you can intentionally swing it a bit in favor of the positive, which mm -hmm. I later turned, realized you can swing it enormously into, into the positive. But... At the time, I just thought, wow, 50-50, I'll take it. Because at the time, I was about 90-10 in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. I was I would have killed for 50-50. Yeah. Sure enough, can be done. Yeah, wonderful. Mm. Yeah, so that's great. So what sort of time frame is that then? Was that 2017, 2018 or something? 2017. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was the latter end of 2017-2017. It took me about six months to recover from the heart attack and about three months in I'd started coaching. So mm. I'd had about three months of coaching under my belt. But straight away when I when I could see the potential 
for recovering in the coaching style, I straight away signed up to become a coach. So then I went on to coach training the following year. Mm-hmm. But that's when I had my road accident as well. So that got in the way a little bit. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. But it was all it was all up from there, straight yeah. away into coaching and then straight away into helping people with burnout. Because what I could see is that the need for a resolution for burnout was gigantic. I mean, mm-hmm. I saw it at that time as an epidemic. A lot of people I knew were in burnout. And a lot of people I was talking to were in burnout, but now I see it as almost a pandemic. Yeah. Since then, it's got a lot worse. Yes. Five years ago. Yeah. But particularly in COVID, it's brought a lot of it to the surface for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. Mm. I just yeah. think it's the perfect storm in our age of stress, anxiety, individualism, isolation. You know, a whole bunch of factors have come together and the increasing capitalism pressure and corporate pressure, the diminishment of job fulfillment and and sense of connection and community it's all kind of come into a perfect storm and now you're lucky if you're not in burnout yeah that's right yeah so true yeah okay well thank you for sharing that journey and i guess my question to you now is um in your coaching role and i know you've got a teaching role across different areas as well um do you think there has ever been any of your uh, any of a lean back into burnout at all? Or because in a way, sometimes we still have the same a similar brain, I guess, in different environments, in newer environments that we've chosen to go into. Do you see any of that tendency? And then you've got that awareness that you bring yourself back in. Could you share anything about that, please, Dex? Sure, and I agree with you. It's pretty well established that the kind of people who are predisposed to create burnout or Mm. get into burnout are going to be type A personality, Sure, really hard-driven, high-achieving style of people. And so I'm a type A, obviously, and uh, I find that in my clients as well. I find that actually to be true. And the reason for that is that type A personalities will always drive harder and harder and harder to be in the top 1% of performance because that's the only place they want to be. Wherever they are, whatever they're doing, they always want to be in the top, right at the very, very top. Not near the top, Mm. at the top. Mm. So the amount of effort and energy that they're willing to throw at that is enormous. But the trouble with burnout is because of that overwork, that hard work ethic, that never say die, that give, 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 you know, get more and more success because of that we tend to drive ourselves too hard and go into burnout Mm. so if we have the propensity to go into burnout once we're going to do it again sure so changing jobs isn't going to fix it yeah changing Mm -hmm. something external is is never ever going to fix the problem as i discovered to my cost yes i think i secretly always knew that did you so when i'm working with people when i'm coaching people in burnout what Mm -hmm. we're really doing is winding back all of the propensity part. So we we work on the symptoms of burnout so people start to regain energy and equilibrium and resilience and enjoyment and fulfillment at work. But at the same time, we have to wind back those type A personality characteristics that got them into trouble in the first place. Sure. Because if if all you ever do is effort to get out of problems, that's great for building a career. You can build a stellar career like that, but if you go over the top into burnout and you keep your foot on the gas, you're going to accelerate downhill. 
Mm-hmm. And so if people come out of burnout, we don't want them accelerating back downhill, getting back into burnout. So I have to change the instincts and drivers they have to go too hard yeah. to fix problems by efforting. Mm. Yes. So what I do with when I'm working with clients is I teach them how to come out of burnout and how to keep them out of some keep themselves out of burnout forever. Yeah. Yeah. Change their style of working. But it doesn't just keep them out of burnout, it actually accelerates their success level. So they think they're going to sacrifice something. Mm-hmm. No, they generally get promotion. Like if that's what they come into me for, to stabilize in their job, mm. they normally get promoted or earn more money or are more successful once they learn how not to go into burnout because burnout is a set of behaviors that are actually so draining that they can't perform at their highest levels. So when yeah. they come out of burnout, then the capacity comes rolling back in. Yeah. As well as the enjoyment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a, a bit more. I'm fascinated about this concept of um, coaching professionals from burnout to heart-centered leadership. Share with my listeners a little bit more why you call it heart-centered leadership, because that might be a phrase that we don't necessarily associate with a leadership position. No, I went out on a limb with that one. <laughs> <clears throat> because that's what's important to me. We're people. Hmm. As leaders, we're people dealing with people. Yeah, we work in a business or an organization, a hospital, a corporation, whatever, but we're still, <clears throat> at the end of the day, excuse me, we're people dealing with people. Mm. If we can't deal at a human level, if we can't connect, then we're not working the way humans work. People are designed to work in harmony with each other. This is how the team is always more than the sum of the parts. Mm-hmm. So if we're trying to work in a very dispassionate, unemotional way. We're trying to shut the emotions out at home, leave them at home on the table, go to work without them. It's never going to create the same amount of success as if we bond in our humanity, in our strengths, in our frailties, in our care, Mm. in our shared desire to succeed and work together. You just can't get performance out of people if you disengage your heart except in the very short term. Okay. Because humans aren't motivated by the stick, they're motivated by the carrot. Mm. I'll tell you, uh, one of the books I think is very good on that is um, Sean Aker, mm-hmm. Big Potential, talks about how an, a team <clears throat> will always outperform an individual. Right. But they do it through connection because humans have to have connection. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the heart center bit was, to me, that's the way I like to work. When I'm working with teams, I want them to enjoy it. Mm. I want yeah. to find the way of sorting out the problems such that we can all pull in the same direction like a, a team and not fight with one another the entire time and resent one another. Mm. <clears throat> Shortens your life. Oh, yeah, sure. Yes. But in the medical, I mean, I work with a lot of physicians yeah. as well and nurses as well. Mm. And I understand that the medical training trains emotion out of people. Mm -hmm. It's also very demanding about you will always show up. You will always say yes to the work. You'll always do the work. You'll always serve the people. Mm. Everybody who needs to be looked after, you will look after. It's almost like I'll just turn the handle and you'll keep doing what I've told you to do. But you must not feel emotionally engaged. I mean, it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder where... 
it's where we are right now. Yes, yes, yeah. And, and all of the people who get into medicine to help people because they've got big hearts. It's the same with my people, my clients. The clients who come to me tend to be cauterized in the emotional department by their professional training mm -hmm. intentionally, mm -hmm. but really they're big-hearted people. They like yeah. people. They yes. want to mentor people. They want to care for people. They want to help others grow and succeed. Yeah. You know, I find it very much in the physicians that I work with, but also people in industry and accounting and mm. <laughs> law and yeah. all sorts of other things. So I think heart, if you haven't got a heart-centered leadership, where's your joy? Mm. Yeah. What do you think about these individuals, particularly in healthcare, um, prioritizing themselves? They're so giving to others. They're in service of others. How does that come up in your coaching? And maybe what would you see might be a before and after scenario with a client in, in caring for themselves? Mm. Well, they're very much trained <clears throat> to care for others at their own expense. But if you don't protect the asset, you've got no asset. Mm. Sure. So I think w one of the things that I do f with physicians is work with them in, in terms of what they want, how they want to connect with patients okay. and staff, teams mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. all the ancillary people they deal with each day. What do they want out of that connection and how can they create that? Because if you don't establish that, you're not going to enjoy your job. And if you don't enjoy your job, it's going to be exhausting and that's what's going to tip you into burnout. Mm. But I don't know if you've read the book Compassionomics. It's about how to deploy compassion in healthcare okay. in a way that rewards all parties. Great. The mm. practitioner of whatever kind and the patients and anybody they come into contact with. And they've, it's quite a scientific book, actually, but it's about... It's about the monetary return of compassion, giving compassion right. in a healthcare context that we don't think we've got time to do. Mm. But it's also about the reward and the ability to stay engaged. And um, they did one study and they proved that you can, in a patient encounter, you can deliver enough compassion to make a big difference in about 20 seconds. Really? It's about That's two phrases. Long. Yeah. Okay. So bringing some kind of intentionality into your work rather than being on autopilot is what I'm hearing you say as well. I, I wouldn't add anything to anybody's workload. What we're seeking to do is reduce the workload but increase the efficiency, mm -hmm. which I know it sounds like what the hospital would ask you to do if you're working in a hospital, but there's a way to care for yourself that will allow you to expend less energy doing what you already do mm -hmm. and feel a bit more rewarded doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the sweet spot, even though the system isn't changing. The system is what the system is. There is a way, and I watch people go through this. So I work with a lot of surgeons and doctors and whatever, and they go through this program and incrementally they will start to enjoy their job more and the people around them more without ever having to change the system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I think is kind of startling because I know the system is set up in a very demanding and increasingly demanding way mm. and people supposedly haven't got time to connect with one another or with the patients but I think there's a way of connecting that can be supportive to all parties 
which doesn't take up time. Mm. Yeah, great. Yeah. Have a look at Compassionomics. Terrific. I will. Thank you, Dex. Yeah, that sounds really good. Mm. Okay, so we talked quite a bit about sort of in the system, the individual in the system, um, your, your personal story as well and some of the clients that you coach as well. Would you mind adding in any part of a self-care routine that you have that you really love or you rarely miss, please? <laughs> yeah, another good question. I do self-coach and I receive coaching, and I think it's really important to say that so that people know we're not mm. some sort of special people who don't need that. Yep, mm -hmm. 100%, um, same over here. And I, and I meditate and I do all the right things with my body and my nutrition and my sleep and all of that. But I think the most important thing, because it's the thing I love the most, is I need to be by the water. So I do go down to the ocean quite a lot. I swim in the ocean and I surf. But this morning I, I got up and I just had only a few minutes. So I went down to the harbor and I just sat and I looked at the water and I sat under a tree on a bench. I was as happy as Larry. Mm. But that's a non-negotiable for me. Yeah. The things that fill my heart, really. Sure. The, tree, the trees and the birds. Whatever fills your heart mm. needs to take a place in your day, I think. Mm. For me, it does. So how long has that been like an essential for you? Is that since your burnout journey or did you actually enjoy that before burnout? Oh, no, that was pre-burnout. Mm. Mm. That's a oh, easy 10 years. Mm-hmm longer i'd say probably 10 or 12 years i've been doing that yeah yeah okay but i think where it doesn't work is the experience of burnout for me is an experience of disconnection so when i became stressed and anxious enough and overworked enough and overwhelmed enough although i was doing those things my human connections with the group of people were not as strong mm. i didn't feel as connected or i didn't I didn't engage as much with the group, and I think that's really key as well. So when I go down to the beach now, uh, there's a bunch of people that I hang out with, and we go and swim together, and then we go and have coffee together and stuff mm -hmm. like that every day. So that's a really important part of it too, because withdrawing in in burnout is it seems like the only thing we're capable of, but it's the worst thing we can possibly do. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, keeping that community around you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I guess I guess we're coming towards the end of our interview today. Is there anything in particular you wanted to share to my audience who are learning about burnout recovery, um, the different ways different people might approach burnout recovery? Is there anything else you'd like to add at all in the chat we've got today please Dex. Well I think you and I share quite an understanding about burnout even before we came into this and we have uh, been trained in the same style of coaching and I think everybody has their own flavor of that that they that that they can be successful with so I think there are a range of different ways what I don't think works with burnout though is is the superficial well-being type of stuff it's mm. good to do and it's wonderful to have in your life it just mm. isn't going to fix burnout yeah so i would caution people telling people to do yoga or eat better or sleep better i think that is 
trying to deal with the symptom, not the root cause of the problem. Sure. I think there are a lot of ways. I mean, I put quite a few years into essentializing the basic toolkit to get people out of burnout as fast as possible. And I think what's really worked there is to show people themselves. So people in burnout are very disappointed in themselves Hmm. and typically rather disconnected. They're quite shut down, Hmm. both of which are excruciating. But I think disappointment in the self, because we're such high-achieving people, once we hit disappointment with ourselves, the, the human cost is horrible. So first of all, I teach people what amazing people they are. I invite them to look at everything that's wonderful about them. And I think without doing that, their focus is always on what they're doing wrong, Mm. what they stuffed up, what they forgot to do, where they didn't meet targets. That's almost all of their focus. So I think the reorientation towards appreciating themselves Mm. and the beautiful human being that they are is a really, really important thing in the beginning of coaching that they've lost contact with their essential goodness. And it's especially painful for people in a vocation that they got into to to help and support others. Yes. Very, very painful. Mm-hmm. So I deal with that I do deal with all the type A personality traits, perfectionism and people pleasing and overwork and not saying no to people and all of that. Yep. Procrastination and whatever. But I think I think we need to see the champion inside us. And that's what I help people. Yeah. Bring back to light. Because they're like, oh, at the end, oh, I'm quite nice actually, aren't I? Yeah. I'm yeah. okay at this, aren't I? Mm. Maybe I'm even a decent parent, mm. a decent spouse. Maybe, maybe that's still possible for me. Sure. Sure. Fact. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Things we appreciate about ourselves, which we don't. I may have mentioned that to you at some point. (laughs) (laughs) It was fundamental to my own personal recovery. Mm. I had lost track of anything that could be good about me, Mm. really. Yeah. It was, it was, I didn't want to get up in the morning. Mm. Yeah. I didn't want to see myself reflected in anything because all I could see was the bad. Mm. Yeah. Because we're a bit all or nothing. We're either brilliant at the top of our game or, oh no, Mm. there is no other. There's no plan B. Mm. Can't be mediocre. Yes. That would be awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I want good. people to fall back in love with their lives, mm-hmm. their work, the people, their lives, themselves even. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like why it ties in with the heart-centered leadership concept. Yeah. But when I tell, when I tell that to people on a consult, they're looking at me like, does not compute. What? Mm. But what I remember about you, Dex, and going through your coaching is sort of holding that space ahead of the person in front of you, confident that they've got every chance, every possibility of growing into that space. And you you very much holding holding that there for them and knowing it's only a matter of time and they'll be there. Absolutely. And I promise them that too. I guarantee it. Mm. I guarantee them they'll get where they want to go. But I need to hold that space for them, I think, until they can see it for themselves. Yeah. Because I can already see the good in them. Yes. I think they're wonderful people. Yes. Even when mm. they come to me and they're crashed, mm. they're still wonderful people. I can yeah. see that 
straight away. Fantastic. Look, it's been great to have you on the podcast today, Dex. Um, thank you again for all the coach training that I was lucky enough to do with you with your um, first round of the advanced burnout certification earlier this year. I understand you're doing your second, you've got your second group going through now as well. I do. Yeah. Yeah. It was so lovely to do that group together, wasn't it? I, I really loved enjoyed it. having yeah. you all in there. Yeah. And, and I'm, I would just like to say mm. that you have come out of it sparkling and I've watched with awe your rise to fame and glory um, since then. I think you're a, an amazing coach. You're an amazing resource to the people in your industry and in your area. And I really, I'm, I'm just sitting here applauding your success all the time. It's great to see. I would send anybody to you. Thanks. Thank you so much. That was unexpected, unplugged, unpaid for. I really appreciate that. <laughs> so kind. Well, let's, um, so I'll put some links in as to where people can find you. Um, is there anything you'd like to say about that right now? DexRandall.com and your podcast is Burnout to Leadership and your social handles are Coach Dex Randall across all different socials there. There we are. Yeah. You said it yourself. Yeah. It's been really great to connect with you today. Thanks for your time in um, sharing your deep, wise and ex experience around burnout and bringing so many clients around the world out of burnout. Super to see you today. And I'm glad we're all doing this work, to be honest. We need Me a too. few more. Absolutely, we do. Great. Mm. Thanks so much, Dex. Thanks, Joe. Thank you for tuning in to the Burnout Recovery Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please hit subscribe and head on over to my website at drjoebraid.com. There you can download my free guide with 10 tips to take if you're nearing burnout. See you next time.